verse 11, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You may be seated. I was reminded again today how extremely essential to our health it is to come to church, to be involved in church. And, uh, you know, this is a place where we gather together to worship God. Most important thing we could possibly do. And to uh, enjoy and experience fellowship at a very meaningful level. And then when I hear about all the community involvement that's going on, that's tremendous. You're a lot more involved in your community than we used to be back in the day, so that's so encouraging to see. And... Uh, this is so essential to our health. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. And being part of this is such an important aspect. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, to be in your house, and to just experience these things that are so vital to continuing to become the people that you've called us to be. And uh, help us this morning also to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For we pray this in his name. Amen. We live in perilous times. There's ISIS, there's the latest North Korean nuclear crisis. We live in uncertain times. There's Trudeau and Trump. We live in discouraging times, facing problems that seem to defy solution. We have rising ocean levels that are due to global warming and then the sinking Alberta economy, for which I have to admit I'm partly to blame. Because I've noticed every time I move back to Calgary, there's been a dramatic economic downturn. <laughs> it happened in 1981 and again in 2015. Coincidence? Who knows? I'm beginning to take it personally. In fact, last time, the economy did not recover until I left town and moved to Edmonton. <laughs> so I'm very sorry about this. It's my fault. In the meantime, in the midst of this anxiety, we need some good news. And I have some for you today. It's based on Isaiah chapter 46. This is the passage that I focus on at the beginning of every new year. In this chapter, Isaiah gives the Hebrews a sneak preview of the future. So, spoiler alert. In the first two verses, he, he describes a specific historical event that would happen, wouldn't happen for many, many years into the future. He describes the fall of Babylon. Isaiah 46, verse 1. Bel bows down, Nebu stoops low, 
Their idols are borne by beasts of burden. The images that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burden. They themselves go off into captivity. Bel and Nebu were the idol gods that had been given credit for sponsoring the world domination of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Their temples were inside an impregnable fortress with massive walls. According to Herodotus, these walls were 50 cubits thick and 200 cubits high, possibly an exaggeration. Nevertheless, here was an empire that would last for a thousand years. Or would you believe 73 years? That's when the Persian army overthrew the overconfident Babylonians. And it was unbelievable. It's like the demolition of the Berlin Wall. No one saw this coming. What an upset. Hey, even Ronda Rousey gets knocked out. So this chapter begins by describing the sack of Babylon during which these idols were hauled off as trophies of the conquest. So what now? This was even more radical than the NDP beating the conservatives in Alberta. What's going to happen now? And caught up somewhere in this violent upheaval was the Jewish remnant, the people who had been traumatized when the Babylonians overthrew Jerusalem, ransacked their temple, and then took their best and brightest back to the enemy capital. That event was kind of the end of the world as they knew it. The ruins that were left behind could have been another anchor Watt, or maybe even Atlantis, the legend of a lost civilization. Except for one thing, the living God was up to something, something good. And the fall of Babylon was actually the beginning of a new hope, another episode in the continuing master plan of the universe. But let's let God tell us about it in verses 3 and 4. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all you who remain of the house of Israel, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried since your birth. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. That is good news. In traumatic times, in the midst of upheaval, we need to know that God's promises don't change. God says, I will carry you, I will sustain you, I will rescue you. That's a direct quote. In Malachi 3.6, God says, I am the Lord, I change not. That is good news. Imagine what our life would be like if God was forced to modify his promises whenever world events got out of control. What if Jesus had to tell his disciples, you know, I, I know that I promised you that in my father's house are many mansions and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Unfortunately, the angels have submitted a restraining order. They don't want a lot of foreign refugees in their gated community. And so we're looking for other accommodations on Hotwire. And, and that promise that all things work together for good, well, obviously Paul was just a little over-enthusiastic. We have to revise that to read, some things will 
work together for your good. We apologize for any inconvenience and hope you appreciate we're trying to be a little bit more realistic. And remember when I said the meek will inherit the earth? Well, it's just not working out the way we'd hoped. With the unexpected escalation of world terrorism, we've had to revise our projections. We've got a committee looking into it and we'll let you know what our recommendations are. And that one about I will never leave you or forsake you, well, I'm having second thoughts about some of you. You can read my corrections when the new reverse standard version is published. What would our life be like if God's promises were no better than those made by our politicians? How reassuring to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and for the next six months. It says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's all about Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. It's all about Jesus. Abundant life, is it attainable? Yes, in Christ. Peace that passes understanding, still possible? Yes, in Christ. Forgiveness of sin, still available? Yes, in Christ. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Nothing has changed. James 1.17 says, God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He does not change like shifting shadows. God's promises don't change. That's good news. And there's even more where that came from. In verse 5 we read, To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales and they, they hire a goldsmith and make it into a god and they bow down and worship it. They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place and there it stands and from that spot it cannot move. And though one cries out to it, it does not answer. It cannot save him from his troubles. Remember this. Fix it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those from long ago, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. That's good news. In traumatic times, in midst of upheaval, God's power cannot be challenged. These verses describe the foolishness of idolatry. Pagans making false gods out of precious metals and then looking to them for salvation. What were they thinking? Though one cries out to it, it does not answer. It cannot save him from his troubles. Talk about utter futility. A gold statue can't protect you. And that's really also the problem with religion. Faith in an imaginary God is utterly futile. Religious gods can only help those who help themselves those who choose to remain in a state of perpetual self-delusion. And religion just confuses the issue because it makes it multiple choice. Pick a God, any God, they're all good. Are you kidding? 
There's only one that's real, and he stands alone. To whom will you compare me or count me as an equal? I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. And this almighty God has power that cannot be challenged. You know, when the Babylonians invaded Israel and destroyed Jerusalem in 587 B.C., the public saw it as a defeat for Yahweh. The God of Israel had finally met his match. He was no better than all of the others who had been vanquished in their time. Baal and Odin, Zeus and Anubis, the late great gods whose divinity had run its course. But as it turned out, the reports of Yahweh's demise had been greatly exaggerated. Because God's power does not have an expiry date like the dairy products in a supermarket cooler, best before 587 B.C. His hand was still firmly on the helm of history. You see, it's one thing to say that God's promises don't change, but what if he doesn't have the power to implement them? Well, look at his resume. Romans 1.20 says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Creation is a vivid testimony of God's power. And then there's more. The Bible documents thousands of occasions where God's power was evident. Everything from parting of the Red Sea to the resurrection of the dead, which begs the question of Genesis 18.14, is anything too hard for the Lord? And it's repeated in Jeremiah 32.27, I am the Lord, the God of mankind, is anything too hard for me? In fact, we could summarize the message of the Bible in just three words. God is able. Enough said. And so if God's promises don't change, and if God's power can't be challenged, that means what? I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Verse 10, I make known the end from the beginning from ancient times, what is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And from the east, I summon a bird of prey from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that will I bring about. And what I have planned, that will I do. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted, you who are far from righteousness. I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. If God's promises don't change and his power can't be challenged, that's, that means that God's purposes can't be canceled. The plan is still in effect. My purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Not most, but all that I please. You see, God is never caught off guard, never surprised by a series of unfortunate events. Because it says in verse 10, he makes known the end from the beginning. God is the only time traveler. 
I don't know if he uses a DeLorean, but God is the only time traveler. He knows the future. So there is nothing that can happen in 2016 that can interrupt God's purpose and what God is doing in your life. What I have said, I will bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. Verse 11. So what's your plan for this new year? Before the invention of the GPS, sailors used to use something called a sextant to navigate at night. And this instrument only worked if you aimed it at a star that did not move with the rotation of the earth. You need to find a fixed point somewhere in the heavens. In the northern hemisphere, that was Polaris, the North Star, some 434 light years away. Now, GPS has changed a bit because it works in a similar way, but it uses a constellation of at least four satellites, including, I think, the Vulcan homeworld and the and a Klingon empire. I'm not sure of that, it's just a theory. But to navigate, you need a fixed reference point. So what's your reference point? If we are taking our reading from our circumstances, it would be like aiming a sextant at fireworks. We become dazed and confused. When life makes you dizzy, and you feel like yelling, stop, I want to get off. When problems start swirling around you and things get out of control, you need to focus on a fixed reference point. And let me give you mine. We already read it. Hebrews 12, 2. It's all about Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is proof that God is for us. Romans 8.31 asks, if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing has happened in the past 2,000 years to cancel the assurance that God is for us. And that's why nothing in 2016 will affect that either. If God is for us, who can be against us? But how do we know that God is for us? Well, the next verse explains, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? It's all about Jesus. If God sent his only son to die as our substitute, he's not going to turn against those who look to Jesus for salvation. He will never cancel his plan for their lives. God is up to something. Up to something good. That's why Paul can say, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Philippians 1.6. That plan is still in effect. And that's good news. In verse 13 of Isaiah 46, he says, I am bringing my righteousness near. It's not far away. And my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion and my splendor to Israel. After the fall of Babylon, the Hebrews 
would be allowed to return to the promised land and they would rebuild their city under the leadership of Nehemiah, getting it ready for the fullness of time when God would reveal his splendor and salvation through Jesus of Nazareth. The one who began the good work will carry it on to completion. A man was asked if he could have anything in the world, what would it be? And he said, I would like a copy of Time magazine dated 10 years from today. Wouldn't that be amazing? We could make a fortune. But we don't have any idea what the world is going to be like in 10 years or even 10 months from now. But we do know exactly what God is going to be like 10 years from now or 100 years from now to the very end of the age. In Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We have God's word on that. So if we could fast forward into the future to a time when the Himalayas have eroded down to the point where the world wheat king comes from Kathmandu, Nepal. And the oceans have erased our shoreline so that you can buy beachfront property in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. <laughs> On that day, God's promises will not have changed because his power can't be challenged. So his purposes won't be canceled. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. Do you need one of those three? Or maybe all of them? That's God's promise to you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. And God always keeps his word. So for 2016, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, we thank you so much that you have not left us in uncertainty about the things that really matter. We know that we have very little control over public events and even little control over the events of our own lives. And some of us have uh, had a very difficult year in this past year and we have questions about what the next year is going to look like. But we need to know that you will carry us. You will sustain us and you will rescue us. Thank you, Lord, that your promises never change. Thank you that your power is sure and can't be challenged. And thank you that you have a plan for our lives. And there's nothing that can ruin that plan. You who have begun a good work will carry it to completion. And we just thank you that this is all possible through Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.